0: Hi everyone, you're listening to another episode of In Good Hands, a show about the businesses and founders solving our climate crisis. Today, I get to speak with Elon Steinhardt, co-founder and CEO of Eclipse Foods. I am so excited to show you guys this episode because I think most of us by now are familiar with the Impossible Burger or the Beyond Burger. They're in pretty much all fast food chains by now. Well, Eclipse intends to make the same massive changes, except with dairy. Think the ice creams, the milks, anything that comes from dairy. But the issue is, it's animal derived. And in the episode today, you'll hear why animal derived dairy is a huge issue, both for our health and our planet. And how Eclipse is pioneering a new wave of dairy products that are nutritious, delicious, and completely animal free. It was so fun speaking to Elon, and I hope you enjoy. Before we jump into the episode, I'm so excited to tell you guys about our sponsor, Bite Toothpaste Bits. Bite Toothpaste Bits are a tablet form of something we've used our whole life, toothpaste. I've been using Bite for the last two months and I'll tell you right now, it is one of the best lifestyle decisions I have made this year. So instead of these plastic tubes that we throw away, they end up in landfills or in the ocean, We get this beautiful glass jar that comes with a four month supply. You pop one of the tablets in our mouth, we bite down and start brushing. And as soon as we're done with our supply, they send us new supply in these compostable packages. So again, completely plastic free. And if you're looking for a super simple way to eliminate those single use plastics from your life, you can go to bitetoothpastebits.com Choose any of their four-month subscriptions. You can choose mint or charcoal, and use our code INGOODHANDS for $5 off. Again, it is one of the best decisions I've made, and if you have any questions, please message me on Instagram at Peter A. Levitt. That's it. Now on to the show. Hi, Lon. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. So let's jump right in. What is Eclipse Foods?
1: Eclipse Foods makes plant-based dairy products that are indistinguishable from their animal counterpart. Uh, so you can liken us to the Beyond Meat or the Impossible Foods, but for dairy products.
0: And Elon, what is the particular problem area Eclipse is solving?
1: The problem area that we're solving is the food system. The food system is broken and a massive part of that issue is industrial animal agriculture and really there are four core problem areas in industrial animal agriculture the first is the climate change and sustainability issue according to u.n scientists industrial animal agriculture is responsible for more climate change than all of transportation combined that's cars trucks trains planes boats Uh, And it's not just more, it's actually 40% more. The second harm relates to global poverty and global equity. The way that this works is that with industrial animal agriculture, we raise animals in developing nations and we feed those animals food like corn, soy, wheat, things that could be eaten by humans. But we actually feed that to the animals, which makes the prices for those crops more expensive because of the competition. And then we take those animals, which we fed with those crops, and we slaughter them, and then we ship them to the developed world. And so what we've done here is we've actually done a double gutting of a local food system in the developing world. And that's in part why 10% of the world's population today is starving. The third problem area with industrial animal agriculture is the health aspect. And when people think about eating animals and eating animal products, personal health comes into, and that makes a lot of sense. But perhaps even scarier than the personal health is actually the macro health. So of course, eating excessive products from animals is associated with basically all the big chronic illnesses in the West, from cardiac disease to hypertension, to diabetes, to obesity, and all those things are truly bad on a micro scale. But look at the macro scale. And what is really scary is that the system of industrial animal agriculture is essentially a perfect breeding ground for antibiotic resistance, because 70 to 80% of the antibiotics that are produced in the United States don't actually go to human beings. They go to animals as prophylactic antibiotics to keep them alive in the terrible factory farm settings that they live in. And that is truly the perfect breeding ground for antibiotic resistance. For superbugs, for zoonotic diseases. And by some estimates, this antibiotic resistance may kill more people than cancer by 2050. And then the last thing would be the treatment of animals. If you care about animals and you care about treating dogs and cats right, then you might find it shocking that 56 billion animals are treated in a way and are raised in a way on a daily basis across the world that if they were dogs or cats, would warrant felony cruelty to animal charges. So all of those harms together kind of make this a pretty broken system. And the way to fix it, because it is food, is just creating food products that are more sustainable, that are more humane, that are more healthy. And that's exactly what we're doing at
0: Eclipse Foods. I mean, clearly you've done your research. You know, all there is to know about this problem area. What were you doing before Eclipse? What's the pathway from A to B here? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Before Eclipse, I was with the Good Food Institute. And the Good Food Institute is the leading nonprofit in the alternative protein space. So they function to make the plant-based and cell-based industries the default choice for consumers. So what I was doing there is I helped start the innovation department, and the innovation department uh served to inspire entrepreneurs to start companies in the space and also to support them so in part i was helping run an incubator for the plant-based and cell-based space so was really really lucky to get to work with some of the most innovative plant-based companies coming up and helped launch them into the market and so going to the good food institute was about as as excellent a path towards starting eclipse as i could have taken
0: I mean, and what a nonlinear story, too, because I think maybe the gut instinct for founders in this category is oh, you must have you know, a background in biosciences, maybe a PhD. And while that is true in a number of cases, you're another case study in that you can have non traditional backgrounds, right? You started in software, then you ended up in a nonprofit, the Good Food Institute, doing amazing work. And now you're going to create this revolutionary platform. And I think what I'd love to better understand is kind of how the technology translates into delicious dairy products. How does Eclipse Dairy compare to conventional dairy today from maybe a processing perspective, a flavor, taste, supply chain? I mean, just high level, what are the kind of stark contrasts between the two?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, what we did at the very core of Eclipse is we looked at milk and we said, what makes milk milk? Um, and I'm lucky to get to work with my co founder, Thomas Bowman. So, Thomas was the director of product development at Hampton Creek, Just. So, he created Just Mayo, Just Cookies, the dressings. Basically, is behind some of the best selling plant based products in the world. Before that, he chefed or staged at a total of 16 Michelin stars around the globe, twice nominated James Beard, rising star chef named Zagat's 30 under 30. The guy is just a food genius, right? And so when we partnered and we talked about solving this dairy problem and creating a plant-based dairy product that people would actually want, because it's actually like the real thing, we knew that we would have to reverse engineer milk. And so that's exactly what we did is we looked at milk and we said, what makes milk milk? And how can we reverse engineer that? How can we construct that from plants that are super readily available, super economical, super agreeable with people? And that's exactly what we did is we took plants that are off the shelf, nothing crazy, like no difficult supply chains, like commodity crops. And we created a milk that looks like milk, that functions like milk, that tastes like milk. That has the same nutritionals as milk, which, of course, we can control because it's not milk, so we can put however much of whatever we want in there if we want to increase the protein or the calcium, et cetera. But the result is is a milk that is a truly functional milk made from plants, and it also doesn't have all the things that a lot of people can't have. So there's no nuts and no seeds, no wheat, no soy, and no GMOs, no gums, no stabilizers. So really it's this product that is exactly what you would want from it and doesn't have any of what you don't want from it.
0: Plant-based is having this moment in time. You have Impossible Foods, you have Beyond Meat. You talked about Just and Hampton Creek. Major chains like Burger King and White Castle have specific parts of their menu designed for this offering. What is your take on the trend? Why Is this the moment today? I think, first of all, let's just recognize how exciting
1: it is that now is now. I was in Ohio after a wedding at like two in the morning, going back to where I was staying and on the way, wanted to stop for some food and stopped at a White Castle and got an Impossible Slider in rural Ohio in the middle of the night. And I truly felt like, wow, like the plant-based future is here. And that's a really, really special thing the reason why now is it's multiple things. I mean, I think visionaries like beyond and impossible and just, they saw something that no one had really thought was possible before. And what it was, was giving products made from plants to the mainstream consumer in a way that they actually wanted it. And that mind shift, it, that's what changed the industry. You know, that, over 80 percent i think it actually was um in their s1 letter but i'm not sure but i'm pretty sure that 93 percent of beyond meat consumers of the beyond burger are actually not vegans or vegetarians like so targeting those consumers yeah it's absolutely incredible and targeting those consumers means that you're bringing in more and more of the mainstream you're bringing in more and more money and when there's more money it means that there's more interest an investment, and there's more innovation. And so, yes, there's been a shift in the way that we do this. There's also been a big technological leap because people are now caring about functional plant proteins. And again, I I talk about Thomas with so much respect because Thomas is one of the world's experts in functional plant proteins and understanding how those plants work. Five, 10 years ago, no one cared about functional plant proteins. So, It's this it's this funny thing where now people are kind of going to the basics, understanding how plants work, how you can use them to create products that taste amazing, that are greatly priced uh, in the long run, that are far more sustainable and efficient and humane and et cetera. And there's just the consumer awareness. I think Kip and Keegan, when they released Cowspiracy, I think that was a really big moment. And when they released that, they opened a narrative that hadn't been had before. So yeah, those three things. It's the the tech, it's the kind of shift in thinking, and then it's the consumer awareness.
0: Another thing I find interesting about the category, and this is more broad stroke, but plant based burgers, for example, have been around for a while. But when you hear that phrase, often the traditional customer would expect expensive, not exactly the most flavorful. And, you know, impossible is an interesting case study because they understood this. So in addition to creating something that was delicious and tasted like a meat burger, they worked with some of the top foodies in the world, like David Chang, to help execute against their go-to-market strategy. So within the context of Eclipse, like, does that playbook inspire you at all? How, how are you thinking about go-to-market?
1: It's very inspiring. And I think that when I talked about why now and these products becoming more and more mainstream, I think that Impossible and Beyond 2 have done such a good job in bringing in the mainstream and uh, excellent strategy um, with one caveat, that you can only do that strategy if your products are truly kick-ass like these, these tastemakers, these chefs, these super foodies, they don't mess around. <laughs> like these people understand food and they're not going to bring a, a subpar product. They're not even going to bring it an average or even a good product. Like your product has to be amazing. So is that something that we're aspiring for? Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, it's, it's, I would, I would encourage any food brand to go and work with people who um, working with them would validate them immediately. And yeah, I think it's it's a good way to build brand equity by working with the best. We have a lot going on under the hood, a lot of conversations happening. I can't tell you about all of them, but I think that you will know by the time this podcast comes out about what we're working on for a go-to-market strategy.
0: Does the technology you're building work for all dairy products equally well, or do you execute against cheese really well first and then
1: liquid milk? You're getting the, the idea very well. So what we've created is a dairy platform, right? And, and the secret sauce is, it's actually a, a secret sauce. It's milk, right? And from milk, we can use our milk that we've uh, processed in a, in a special way using the plants that we've put in there to create any dairy product uh, in very much the same way and the same equipment that you would conventional dairy. So whether it be cheese or ice cream or sour cream or anything in between. But of course, we can't boil the ocean, right? We're a small startup and we need to focus. And so our first product to market is actually going to be ice cream. And the reason is because one, our ice cream is incredible and you'll have to come and try it uh, next time you're in Berkeley. But the thought behind ice cream is people are fanatical about ice cream, right? Like you go to Minnesota in the winter and you'll see a line out the door for basically no other business or product other than ice cream. And that's a frozen product in the winter in Minnesota. So that says something. The second thing is its center of plate, right? Uh, for us, big focus is we want to build our brand equity early on. And having a center of plate product like ice cream is a lot easier to tell that story of check out this milk platform that's created this amazing product. It's the star of the show. So that's, that's the second consideration. And then the third consideration is that kind of like you alluded to with working with other people, we've created a liquid ice cream base that spins up just like conventional ice cream base in a gelato machine, in an ice cream maker, in a soft serve machine. And so that's something that we can sell to partners and work with really great people in getting this product to market really fast.
0: I think most of our listeners are familiar with Y Combinator, but if if they aren't, Y Combinator is probably the most prestigious startup accelerator in the world. They've helped create Airbnb, Stripe, just a bunch of meaningful companies. You guys are also alumni of the program. So my question is, why did you decide to pursue that track and how has it served you to date?
1: Yeah. Like you said, Y Combinator is it's probably the most prestigious startup accelerator in the world. And Part of what that means is that there is a tremendous, tremendous network of founders there who have done it before and who are incredibly helpful and happy to help because they've, they've gone through that path. So the YC network is one of the biggest selling points for it and it's, it's been so, so helpful, like so many of the conversations that we've had and even the investors that we've had have come through the YC network. And in fact, you talk about companies that went through YC, Reddit was actually a YC company. And Alexis Ohanian, who is the founder of Reddit, is also the founder of Initialized Capital, which is a VC that invests in early stage companies that is a big investor in us. Obviously, Y Combinator is, is really good for the network. It's also really good for kind of just the program itself, like the learning. They've seen so much in the world of startups going from tiny to massive that their pattern matching is pretty good. And basically, anything that we're going through, we can ask them like, hey, uh, what have other startups done? And they can be very, very supportive and helpful. And then the last thing is is the legitimacy. There are so many startups out there so many folks saying that they're doing really big things. And the kind of YC stamp of approval immediately gives you legitimacy when you're talking to to people, which is not a must, but it is an accelerator. Uh, I didn't mean to use that word confusingly. It is an accelerative function uh, for your startup. And so I guess maybe that's why they call it an accelerator.
0: I want to segue to my favorite part of every show. It's the lightning round. The lightning round is four questions. We try to answer each question in sixty seconds or less. Are you ready to rumble? Oh yeah. We talked a bit about YC, which you went through. You now run a VC funded company. Looking back, what's your take on studying business in undergrad? Because I saw that you did at UCal Berkeley. Is it worth it? All right, sixty seconds. Sixty seconds. All right, let's
1: go. So I'll start by saying Haas Berkeley is amazing. Like such a beautiful campus, such such great professors. Classmates are awesome. Like the network is awesome. Do I think studying business is a good idea? Uh, I think, yeah. I mean, it got me to where I am in, in that it gave me a lot of the fundamentals. I would recommend anyone that's in college that's thinking about studying business to also consider taking on a technical degree as well, or at least something that is just like, pulls at the, the core of their interest in their heart. Like I was always super into biology and I took a lot of bio classes, but I did not end up majoring in bio mostly because um, I ended up studying abroad and doing a lot of experiential things, which were good too. But yeah, I would say business is a, is a great thing because it's a foundation and teaches you people skills and that's very important. But if you have a knack and an interest for something technical, I would recommend kind of doing both at the same time.
0: Love it, Kill two birds with one stone. Second question every couple of years, it seems like there's a a new diet that takes the the storm you have gluten free you have keto you have paleo. Why do you think we can't get diets right?
1: I'll start by saying that I'm not a dietitian and I'm not a sociologist, and I think they would probably know better than me but what <laughs> i what I do know is that consumers hate sacrifice, and the concept of a diet inherently is a sacrifice and that's exactly why we were founded is to create amazing plant-based dairy products or amazing plant-based products that don't require a sacrifice because again people make food purchasing decisions based on taste, price, convenience, health is is a secondary factor and so if people can just eat how they want in a way that is healthier for them, that is healthier for the planet, that is better for animals, that makes them feel better about themselves Uh, Then I think that is a way more sustainable from a personal level, also from a macro level, way to kind of diet, as it were.
0: We should do a co authored piece on that. I have never heard that take. And I think you're completely right. If you just get to first principles, a diet inherently means sacrificing something. Why? Right. That's such an interesting proposition. Matt. Let's do it.
1: Wow, we have a lot of uh-huh. a lot of things running after this. A lot of
0: things to do. Third question. If you weren't working on Eclipse or writing co-authored pieces with In Good <laughs> Hands, what problem area would you be exploring? Yeah.
1: I mean this one is easy. I'm working on dairy now, but seafood is is a massive, massive need. There's estimates that we'll have fishless oceans by twenty forty, like really, really scary stuff that I don't want to be uh our future. So I would be working on a solution, either plant-based or cell-based for seafood, cell-based meat in general. We didn't dive into it, but that is a whole incredible future of food as well that would be fascinating to work on. And I have expertise in from uh, the Good Food Institute. But if I had to kind of step outside of my food world, I would say, honestly, just trying to fight consumerism. Like the whole concept of consumerism was born not that long ago in the 1910s, 20s, Uh, it Basically, it was tied in with this concept of capitalism and freedom being tied into democracy as like a package deal. And I think there's, there's a world in which we, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying people should never consume anything, but I think there's a world in which we can uh, kind of fray the concept of democracy and hyper-consumerism apart to make a more sustainable future for us and a future where we care more about the people around us and less about the things around us.
0: I love that. The last question, it's something that we ask every guest. Who has had the greatest impact on your learning and why?
1: Yeah, in this world, in the alternative protein world, I mean, hats off to, to, uh Bruce Friedrich from the Good Food Institute executive director there founder I worked under him he taught me a lot of the things I know and the way I think about this industry and the solutions he's he's definitely a hero Ethan Brown Pat Brown that's the founders of Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods respectively if they hadn't done what they're doing I wouldn't really have even thought to do what I'm doing so they truly did kind of set the 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 steps there that I'm following and then uh of course my family they have been so supportive of everything and have taught me a lot about just being a, a good person and so far that's that's worked out for me so I hope uh, I hope they weren't wrong
0: I don't think they're wrong either Elon uh this has been one of the most fun interviews I've done to date um before we say bye I'd love to roll out the red carpet is there any final notes you have plugs call to actions the floor is yours. Oh, man,
1: that's awesome. Thank you, by the way. I also have had fun. Like you said before, we're a startup and we're growing and we're hiring. And even if we're not hiring actively, we're always looking for just the brilliant, most uh, ambitious and mission driven and excited people. So if you want to learn more about Eclipse and and learn about uh, some of the opportunities that we have and, getting, and get in touch uh, please go to our website, EclipseFoodsCo.com. If you uh, run a business and uh, you serve food and you're interested in having an amazing next generation, it drives a lot of customers through your door, plant-based dairy products, specifically starting with our ice cream, and then uh, get in touch with us as well. And then finally, is if you care about sustainability and, and you want to be part of the solution, start eating more plant-based. That's, it's a decision that we make three times a day and you don't have to, it's not, it's not an absolute, but it's something that, that will benefit you and us and the planet and the animals. And I think will really make the whole change that we all want to see happen way, way faster.
0: Elon, hats off to you. This is again, been one of the most fun interviews I've done. I learned so much. I think our listeners will say the same. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. This was so, so great. I appreciate your time.
0: If you enjoy the episode, please consider subscribing and writing us a review. It really does mean a lot to us. And sincere thanks to Dan Mahoney and Lucas Arndt, who produced this week's episode, and to Eddie Knuckles, our music director. I'm your host, Peter Levin, and if you'd like to recommend a guest, sponsor an episode, or help spread the message... You can find us on social at ingoodhands or our website ingoodhands.us. Again, huge, huge thanks to all of you for your support. We really do appreciate it and can't wait to bring you another new episode next Tuesday.